Boy, unbelievably, it's happened again after Maxim Dadashev, uh, Dadashev on Friday collapsed after his fight, was rushed to the hospital, had brain surgery performed for swelling on the brain, a, a part of his skull removed, and they tried desperately to save his life. He unfortunately passed away yesterday. Now today, we hear about Hugo Alfredo Santillan from Argentina, 23 years old, fights to a draw in Buenos Aires, um, then collapses afterward, uh, taken to the hospital, clot on his brain, and then dies of cardiac arrest. We heard about that today. Now, his father was a fighter. Um, wow. And I was hoping we wouldn't have to be uh, talking about any more cases like this after the tragedy of uh, Dadashev, but here we go again. So, boy, I wanted to bring on an expert here and somebody who is uh, very opinionated about the sport of boxing and uh, what we can do to help and to make changes here and hopefully prevent some of these things from happening in the future. From Montero Unboxing, the Neutral Corner podcast on YouTube and a writer for Ring Magazine and Boxing Monthly and a frequent guest of the show, of course, is the great Mike Montero. What's up, Mike? Hey, how you doing, Dave? It's uh, it's been a rough few days in uh, the boxing world. <laughs> well, I'm I know you're uh, disappointed and you were fired up about this, and I'm just going to turn the floor over to you right now. About uh, uh, once again, th- this is two in two days. What we can do as boxing fans and in the boxing community and the people who run boxing to try and prevent these things from happening in the future. Yeah, and let me talk real quick about the case with uh, Hugo Santillan because I actually have some friends in Argentina. And I've been talking to them just, uh, I don't know how much of this is known in the American press yet, but apparently uh, he fought last month in Germany and had a tough, he moved up in weight. It was a tough 10 round fight, uh, lost every round. Some of the rounds he lost uh, 10 points to eight because they were that one-sided, basically a one-sided beatdown. Took such a beating in that fight that the German authorities gave him a medical suspension through the end of July, through July 31st. And you mentioned, you mentioned Santian's father, who is a former fighter himself and managed his son, Hugo, uh, trained him, managed him. Knowing that this suspension was on in Germany, they took this fight in Argentina just a few weeks after that. And again, this was Saturday night, this fight in Argentina, which was for a minor title through the WBC. Uh, another long fight. It took a lot of punishment. It was a draw. And at the end of the fight, I, I posted the clip on, this was on regular Argentina television. Millions of people down there saw this on, on live TV. Standing in the ring, he could not stand under his own power at the end of the fight. His father was literally holding him up as they read the scorecards. After they read the scorecards and it was announced as a draw, the ref had to hold up Hugo's arm because he couldn't hold up his own arm to celebrate. Immediately after these scorecards are read, he, he collapses in the ring in his corner, loses consciousness right there, would never regain consciousness. Uh, you mentioned the cardiac arrest. He had multiple cardiac arrests. It was at least two that I can confirm uh, in, the, in the subsequent days in the hospital. Several organs failed. Uh, just, a, just a terrible, terrible way to die. I mean, he, he was around for a few days afterwards. You know, he, this, this was Saturday night, and he, he just died today. So you imagine the last few days of his life everything that he went through, just disgusting. And obviously his father just completely negligent. Or just, uh, I, I, I can't even think of the right word to, to use to describe him. Just negligence isn't enough. And the, the referee, the commission down there, a lot of heads are going to roll. I think that's the best way to fix this. You know, there, there's several different ideas I have, but boxing is too global a sport. It's just too big for one central authority to manage it. I think the sanctioning organizations have to get more involved. 
and they have to start issuing mandatory suspensions. You can't leave it up to the state and local authorities because they don't all play ball. I mean, we can't get Kim Jong-un to stop testing missiles. How are we going to get him to agree on the same boxing protocol that India agrees to, that China agrees to? It's impossible. So the sanctioning organizations have to step up. And I don't know what the right answer is, but maybe, you know, maybe it's a month-long suspension after an eight-round bout. Uh, maybe after a 10-round bout, it's a two-month suspension. Maybe if there's a knockout, it's an automatic three-month suspension. Maybe if there's a certain amount of power punches landed on an opponent, a fight is stopped. I don't know what the right answer is, but people talk about glove size. That doesn't make a difference. Headgear doesn't make a difference. In fact, studies have shown, recent studies have shown that headgear is more dangerous and leads to more concussion. So um, look, the fighters are always going to fight. And I've, I've seen a lot of posts on social media from far-left activists. I'm just going to put this out there. From far-left political activists saying, ban boxing, uh, you know, this is taking too many lives. This is rich people using poor people. Look, boxing has saved, infinitely saved more lives than it's taken. However, uh, we need to do better. And I think it starts with the sanctioning organizations. Uh, real quick, the WBC, right now they have a seven-day 30-day and 7-day weigh-in check-in, where fighters have to weigh in within a certain percentage of their contracted fight weight. The IBF has a rehydration rule. After a fighter weighs in, they can only gain 10 pounds the following day, the day of the fight. They're the only two sanctioning organizations that have these weigh-in checks. I think that the other sanctioning organizations need to do the same thing. I think it should be universal, because a big reason why these brain injuries occur, other than the repeated blows to the head, is the dehydration. A lot of fighters try to shrink down to an unnatural weight, and when you're dehydrating your body, you're literally dehydrating your brain. I've talked to multiple uh, state athletic commission uh, executives. I've talked to anti-doping officials, medical officials, and they all say that that's one of the biggest issues in not just this sport but all martial arts is the weight cut. That's killing well, what a, fighters. What about, Mike, uh, going back to uh, same-day weigh-in? They used to weigh-in the day of the fight. And uh, I, guess, I think we would get more fighters there on real weight. And if you can't make weight, then you, you're fighting in the wrong division then. I agree with you, Dave. I, I just don't think it's going to happen. I, I think that once they went to the previous day weigh-ins, I mean, they did it at first. Uh, some of the sanctioned organizations, and they all jumped on. And now if you look at it, weigh-ins, believe it or not, they're big business. I mean, you look at yep. the big fights in Vegas twice a year, they're selling tickets to these weigh-ins in Las Vegas. Canelo Alvarez weigh-in, when Floyd Mayweather fought Conor McGregor, the weigh-in, I mean, the, the attendance for some of these weigh-ins is bigger than the attendance for a lot of yep. fights. That's a good point. So it's big, it's big business, and it's not just with the, you know, the MGM Grand, let's say, or the T-Mobile Arena, you know, the actual place, the uh, venue. It's the networks, because you, you want to get it on SportsCenter. You know, you want to get that little clip that's going to be on Showtime. So the networks are involved with these weigh-ins now. And then the press conferences, all of it is big business. So you're not going to get it back to same-day weigh-ins. The way to fix this is to control how much weight fighters can lose and regain. That's the way you can kind of yep. try to monitor this. And, we look, performance-enhancing drugs, anti-dope testing – I, I rant about it a lot, and I know I annoy a lot of people because I talk about it so much. And I, hear, I have a lot of 
fans who get on my case and say, none of this crap matters. Stop it. You're being an opportunist trying to talk about this stuff right now. It matters. Dave, you and I have talked. You know that I'm in the gyms with these guys, and, and I know you've seen it too. Punch drunk guys, damaged fighters, the, the guys that had a record of, let's say, 5 and 20, guys you've never heard of that are punch drunk and their life is forever changed at, in their 40s. And how much of this is due to them getting in the ring with somebody that's cheating? You know, well, and, and I know it's not just happening in boxing, but in boxing, you're taking blows to the head. In MMA, you might get your, your, your arm ripped out of the socket or something like that, but in boxing, you're taking blows to the head, and that's what kills Well, Mike, this, this was the next question I wanted to ask you. I'm glad you brought this up. Dillian White, one of the top heavyweights in the world from Great Britain, just had a win uh, over the past weekend. And Eddie Hearn today, his promoter, came out and admitted that he failed a drug test before the fight and was allowed to get in there and fight. And that, that's putting uh, your opponent's life at risk right there. And Eddie Hearn is admitting he failed his drug test and was allowed to still go in there and perform. Yeah, so, so the, the U.K. authorities have a strange protocol, and I completely disagree with it. The, uh, the BBB of C, <laughs> it's the British, basically of them is the British Commission, and then UCAD, that's their testing authority, U.K. anti-doping uh, they have a strange adjudication process where if you test positive for something, they, they don't have to tell the opponent, and the fight can go forward until their adjudication process goes through, and they can prove that you, you took something uh, that, you know, a banned substance, and you knowingly took it and, and meant to cheat. So they're going to have a hearing. They're going to have all this stuff. Then they'll decide to do with what they will with Dillian White. Now, here in the States with VADA, who, who I think is the best anti-doping authority, not just in boxing, but all sports. I, I think that if, if you're not using VADA, you, why even bother? That's the way I look at it. As soon as they find an abnormality in a sample that they collect and test, uh, everyone is made aware, not just the fighter who tested positive in their team, but the commission uh, authorities, the promoter, and the opponent. Everyone knows. They don't report anything to the media. They leave that up to the promoter, and the commission people, uh, but everyone involved in the fight immediately knows. So uh, I think that's the way to do it. But the way they do things over in the U.K., I think it's a broken system, and I don't agree with it. And you're totally right. What if – now, look, maybe Dillian White ingested something accidentally. Maybe it was through uh, a supplement or something. We don't know yet. But it certainly doesn't look good because you can check. You can go online and do a quick check of any supplement to see if it contains – a prohibited substance, and these guys know that. You know, so uh, whether he took it intentionally or not, if there was a banned substance in the system and he goes into the ring against an opponent, by the way, against Oscar Rivas, he was dropped in the ninth round. And Oscar Rivas landed a lot of punches, and he was able to recoup from that knockdown and come back and win. How much of that was due to perhaps, you know, him taking these drugs knowingly? We will never know. Uh, Mike, I, I got one more question for you. Daniel Twitch Franco, a kid, uh, who I, he was on my show several times, and I had him on like two days before his last fight against Jose Haro when, uh, similar to um, uh, Maxim Dadashev, swelling on the brain, went to the hospital, part of his skull removed, and 
Thankfully, his life was saved, but certainly his career was over and he's going to have medical issues for the rest of his life. He fought three times in 79 days. He was knocked out one time. I think it was here in L.A. And then uh, and then he fought in Mexico and then he fought again. And, and he's claiming in a lawsuit now that Jay-Z and Rock Nation, who, by the way, didn't give him a dime or any help with his medical expenses or ever return a phone call. Now he's suing them. They rushed him back in the ring and told him that he had to fight. So, see, there's uh, like the problem you mentioned earlier fighting too quickly after knockouts. And, and then when, when they did the surgery on his brain after he almost died, they said the bleeding on the brain was probably caused by that first time he was knocked out. Yeah, uh, he was placed on medical suspension because, uh, as you mentioned, he fought in California. And California has an immediate suspension whenever someone stopped. I think California is probably the best commission in America, if not the world. Uh, but, as you mentioned, he fought in Mexico. And then the promoter brought him back and fought, he fought on another card. And he was severely injured there. Uh, the promoter has not showed up with any money. And I have to say this, you know, Andre Ward, who was Rock Nation's biggest star fighter at that time, he had a, a rematch coming up with Sergey Kovalev. And during the promotion for that fight, he brought up Daniel Franco's name several times, you know, saying thoughts and prayers, this and that, and I'm going to help him out. As far as I know, Andre Ward hasn't come through with a dime. For Franco, neither has Rock Nation Sports, who I don't, I don't even know if they're involved in boxing anymore. Jay Z's yeah. a billionaire, a billion, and they wouldn't even allow the Franco family to post their GoFundMe page on their Rock Nation website. It's unbelievable. It's it's pretty pathetic. And when you look at the the, the mainstream sports media not attacking Jay Z and going after him for yep. something like this, I mean, you think if if the demographics were a little different here, or if it involved a different sport. I think that they'd be up in arms and there'd be protests and riots. But because it's, it's, it's boxing and this happened under the radar, uh, they're kind of just looking the other way. And it's, it's really disgusting. But with, with, with Franco, fortunately for him, he got medical attention quickly. And to go back to what can people do, uh, the commission, look, the Maryland commission, specifically with uh, Dadashev, uh, they did not respond quickly enough. And it, it's a matter of minutes in these situations. Literally five minutes can save a man's life. And they were way too slow. They were not prepared. And some of these smaller commissions like Maryland, they have to get up to the same standards as what you see in California and Nevada. And it's up to these promoters to in, make sure that their fighters are fighting in commissions where these standards are, are the highest. And if they're not, then the promoters, the managers, the advisors, even the networks putting this stuff on TV, they're not doing their job protecting the fighters. No. And in my opinion, a lot of these people are being freaking hypocrites. That that's is, where I get pissed off. This is great stuff as always. We're out of time, Mike, but you've got to come on again real soon. As always, uh, informative and a great segment. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot, Dave. There he goes, my good friend, the great Mike Montero, Ring Magazine writer, Boxing Monthly writer, the Neutral Corner podcast on YouTube, and everybody subscribe to his YouTube channel. Mike Montero, Montero Unboxing, great stuff. It's Dave Smith here at SB Nation Radio and SBNationRadio.com.